Um, we're wrapping up a message series today, and we've been looking at fear, the stuff that really grips us. And um, we, we started out by looking at, well, we've been looking each week at different things that we can lose. Fear is a, a, an emotion, a base emotion that God built into us. And he built it into us because it's an appropriate response to danger. And so sometimes we really need to use the energy that comes from fear to do uh, what we need to do in a certain situation. If there's danger present, to run as fast as you can. <laughs> it could be the, the smartest thing you could do. Um, but God built it in uh, to us. It's a base emotion uh, that we all feel. And, and the danger is it, that when we feel danger, what, what we're sensing is we're about to lose something. So fear is a response to danger when we're about to lose something. We've been looking at different things that we could lose. The first week, we started with the biggie the first week. We, we talked about the fear of death. We're afraid sometimes that we're going to lose our life or that someone close to us is, is going to lose their life. And we looked at how God really helps us deal with that. He's the only one that can help us deal with the fear of death. In Hebrews 2, you find out that that's one of the, the, the main reasons Jesus came. is <clears throat> He came to earth to set us free from the slavery of the fear of death. That's exactly what it is. Fear can enslave us. It, it, it's like chains around your ankles and shackles on your feet, chains around your wrists that, you know, you, it just binds you and holds you and can paralyze you at times. God wants to set us free from that. He's really the only one that can. We looked at the fear of failure, how we're going to lose our dreams, our goals. We're afraid of that sometimes, that they're not going to we're not going to reach them. We're not going to experience the life we wanted. We looked at the fear of insignificance. Is anybody going to notice that I'm here? <laughs> and last week, we looked at the fear of the economy, just losing financial security, and uh, how real that is right now as you watch the stock market bounce up and down. You know, it's, 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 like, it's really like playing roulette these days. <laughs> Just throwing the dice in, see what happens. So we've been looking at these things. Today we're looking at the fear of betrayal. And it's, it's interesting that there's the bookend of the fear of death and the fear of betrayal because what do we, how do we describe betrayal? They stuck the knife in, they stabbed me in the back, and they twisted it. Because betrayal, when you're betrayed by someone, it's, it's like a death. You've lost a relationship that was dear to you. It mattered. And so it's just like a death. It only, betrayal only occurs by friends and those close to you. Otherwise, it wouldn't be betrayal. We don't, we don't really care about the others. But those who are close to us, those who are dear to us, it really matters uh, how they how they relate to us and continue. Um, God wants to set us free from this fear as well. He wants to help us deal with this fear of betrayal. And many of us have things that have gone on in the past that ramp up this fear. It's amped to the max. 
<clears throat> excuse me, it's amped to the max in our, in our hearts and minds because <clears throat> someone has hurt us in the past. Someone has betrayed us. And it makes it very hard. It's like, it's like uh, shackles and chains. It, it, sometimes it feels like we're in a, a prison, like the song said. We're just, we're just locked away, and we're not able to relate in the way that we really want to and have the life that God wants us to have. He really wants us to have uh, the best kind of life. That's, that's another reason Jesus came. So we're going to look at how to deal with the fear of betrayal this morning. God gives us a lot of help. Thanks to him. As we get into scripture, there's a lot of help there for dealing with it. As we move into this, is there someone in your life that you just can't live without? Anyone. Maybe a friend, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, a parent, your kids. Is there someone you just... This is what goes through your mind. I don't know what I would do without them. And we say that. That's sort of a compliment that we give. You know, I just don't know what I'd do without you. I really appreciate you taking care of that for me. But I mean, in your heart of hearts, you think, I don't know how I would get up the next day after they passed away. I don't know how I would move. If our relationship busted up. And there was a problem, a rift. I don't know how I would function. Is there anybody like that in your life? If there is, it puts you in a very vulnerable position. You, you find yourself in, in, a, in a situation that can paralyze you. It, it tweaks the relationship with that person and, and can make you a drain on them, just like you know, that sound, you hear that sound when the water's going down the drain. <laughs> you know, that's when they see you coming. <laughs> that may be the sound they hear in their mind as you're walking toward them. It makes you a drain. If you cannot live without them, uh, it can cripple you. And uh, it, it can cripple your ability to, to function as an adult, as a whole person. It, it really can hurt you. God, God wants to help you with this. He's, he's really the only one that can help you with this, this fear of betrayal. And he, he wants to help you. What he'd like to help you to say is, I don't want to live without this person, but I could. By the grace of God and with the strength that he provides and with the help that he gives me, I could do it. I don't really want to, but I could. And it's, it's a very important thing to understand. God, God wants us to be completely dependent on him, not dependent on people, not independent of people, but dependent on God and interdependent on the people that he put around us. Here's the math of relationships. Two half people don't really make a whole because they're draining one another. Two whole people make more than two. If, if you yourself can learn in the strength that God provides, then you bring to relationships the ability to bless and, and help and encourage and strengthen those relationships, those other people in your life that you don't have if you're half a person depending on the people around you. It's a very important thing to understand. 
when two, two whole people relate, the joy, the purpose, life is multiplied versus the factor of addition. It multiplies your joy. It multiplies your ability to fulfill your purpose as you relate to one another. If it's in a family, if, if you're working together on a project at work, if you're working in a team, if you just have half-hearted people or half a person there, that, doesn't, that, that is a drain. But whole people can really bring the right stuff to the table. And God wants to make us whole. He, he wants to make us uh, strong individuals who can handle the situations that come along in life. Faith is always the right response to fear. We've been looking at that. It's always the right response. And God wants to help us deal with this fear of betrayal so we can enjoy what he's given us. He's given us this life. He wants us to enjoy it. Some common reactions to the fear of betrayal are, first of all, build a wall of protection around yourself. That's, that's one of the common ways we respond. Uh, you refuse to let anyone close to you because you're, you're afraid that you're going to get hurt again or that you're going to get hurt in the, play, the first place. Usually the walls go up after we've been hurt and disappointed by the people around us. When you refuse to let people get close to you, when you refuse to let them in, life is empty because you have no one to share it with. It's, it's like finding a canteen in the desert when you're, you're, you're almost dying of thirst. You find the canteen, you tip it over, and it's full of sand. There's nothing helpful in there. And so when, when you build the wall of protection around yourself, you, you have the same experience. Any progress you make in life, any joys that you have, isn't really shared with people around you. A second reaction is to try to please everyone so that they won't betray you. You try to make them happy and you try to hang on to the connection. And this is really the dependency that makes you less than a whole person. Uh, it's interesting in the scripture, there are dramatic stories about people who've been betrayed. I mean, dramatic stories that we can learn a tremendous amount from. Joseph is one of those. Uh, he was betrayed by his brothers because he was perceived as dad's favorite. Actually, I don't know if he was perceived as dad's favorite. I think he was dad's favorite. So they decided to take care of that. And, and his, his own brothers betrayed him. Sold him into slavery. David was betrayed by King Saul. And David had won a battle single-handedly for the king. Preserved his kingdom. And he was yet still betrayed by King Saul. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. We're going to look at some of the things in the lives of these folks to learn how to deal with the fear of betrayal. The help that God's given us there. First of all, from the life of David, we find out that one of the key ways to deal with the fear of betrayal is to pour out our hearts to God. So that, that's the first thing we can do, pour out your heart to God. Uh, this Psalm 142 was written when David was in a cave. <laughs> that's what it says. He was running from King Saul, who owed him, he owed David his kingdom because David had won a major battle single-handedly um, in, in, a, in, a, in a fight. It was a one-on-one -on -one fight for the kingdom, and David, David won the winner-takes-all battle against a giant. 
So Saul owed him his kingdom, otherwise he would have been subservient to uh, the Philistines. Now that's betrayal. You owe the man your kingdom, and now you're chasing him, trying to take his life. Look at what David wrote in Psalm 142, 1 through 5. It says it's a masculine of David. When he was in the cave, a prayer, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. That's a good, that's a good uh, example there. Don't, don't necessarily pour out your complaint to everybody around you, but go to God. Pour out your complaint to him. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. There's nobody that really cares. He, he has been betrayed. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Go to God and ask him to help you work it through. State that. God, you are the one I'm running to. You are my refuge. You're going to be my stronghold. You're the one I'm going to lean on. Would you help me work this out? Would you, would you help me to make sense of what's going on? Then bring the right things to mind. As you're pouring things out to God, as you're working through, as you're processing the betrayal, the hurt, the disappointment, bring the right things to mind. Isaiah 41.13 says, For I'm the Lord your God who takes you, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. God's right there. Acknowledge his presence. Realize he's there. Go to him. Trust in him. And then we looked at Lamentations 3, 21 through 24 the first week. But it it says, but this I I called to mind and therefore I have hope. Whatever you bring to mind as you deal with fear, and and especially the fear of betrayal, the things that you bring to mind are going to either help you or really hurt you in your processing of what's going on. So if you bring the right things to mind, you're going to be helped. Uh, Jeremiah in Lamentations 3 said, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's the kind of thing you want to bring to mind in the midst of betrayal. God, you have always been there for me. You are there right now. You are faithful. I can always trust your mercy and your kindness to me. You, bring, you, don't, you don't have to chase your thoughts around and around and around and around and get dizzy and fall to the ground and, in a heap where you're just subservient to what's going on in your mind. You can focus your mind on the Scripture, and there's a lot of help in that. It frees you. God can use that to free you from your fears. Next, set your heart to wait for God to act. Most of the time, we don't want to wait for God to act. We want to make someone pay. They have hurt us, they have disappointed us, and we want them to pay for what they've done. But wait for God to act. Wait on him. Psalm 27, 13, 14 says, I'm still confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. They were jealous. And they were going to, the the first plan of action among the brothers was to dig a pit, throw him in it, and let him die there. 
And then they were on a, a journey of some kind. Then, then it came to mind, well, we're not going to get anything out of that, so let's sell him. <laughs> let's sell the little guy that Dad likes so much and make a profit. So they sold him into slavery. And um, it's interesting, David's response each time that something went wrong. Things went terribly wrong for him along the way. He was sold into slavery. He never blamed anyone. You never get the sense that he was asking any of the questions of, why did this happen to me? Who's to blame? You know, what in the world is this all about? Uh, he never blamed anyone for his current situation, but he trusted God while being faithful in the moment. And, and you watch God work. Sometime read Genesis 37 through 50. We don't have time to go through the whole story, but, but you'll see how God worked and the example that Joseph sets in the midst of betrayal. There is no hope or future by continuing to dwell on what someone has done to you. You have to get past it. And Joseph shows us in Genesis 37 through 50 how to do that. He was sold into slavery. Uh, in, in his master's house, while he was serving his master, he rose to the number, number one guy under his master, over the, the master's household. Then the, the master's wife made a pass. He refused her. He did not succumb to the seduction. Was falsely accused by her and imprisoned. And again, he, he doesn't blame, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have a sour response to that. Uh, that was unjust. Um, in prison, he just accepted what was going on, did, did the best he could. And he rose to the place where he was put over everything that went on in the prison. He was the guy under the warden in the prison. He was placed over everything that went on. Um, while he was in prison, he did a favor for an official of the, of the pharaoh, of the king. He did a favor for him, and, and the guy promised to remember him when the pharaoh was pleased with this. He forgot all about him. He was betrayed again. <laughs> he didn't mention him. Uh, then, through a series of events, he ends up as a ruler of Egypt, a Jewish man who's ruler of Egypt uh, under the Pharaoh. And God uses his position to provide grain for his family and his relatives back home. At the end of his father's life, his, Joseph reconnects with his brothers. And um, they're, of course, terrified. Their father dies, they bury their father, and, and the brothers are beginning to wonder, now, what do you think Joseph is going to do with us? Because what do most of us want to do? We, want, we don't want to wait on God to work. We want to pay back what's been done to us. So they're expecting Joseph to take them out. He has the power. He can do it. So they're just waiting for the axe to fall. And they come before Joseph and they talk to him, and, and Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was just responding in the moment to what was going on, and he was waiting on God to act. He was trusting God to do what only God could do, which is manage your history.
He's the only one that's in charge of the big scheme of things in your life. And God was using him to bless many, many people. And because of his response, not to succumb, but to wait, God was able to use him. Finally, let God be the strength of your heart as you, as you deal with things. We, we need inner strength so uh, we can have the oomph to bless people and not drain them. Uh, we need that oomph, and it comes from God. We don't want to be a leech where we're sucking the life out of people. We're sucking the lifeblood out of them. This inner strength comes from God. It, it comes from God. Look at Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all his deeds. So in the midst of betrayal or in in the fear of betrayal, whether or not it's happened, turn to God and find your strength in him. Get some time with him every day, talking to him in prayer, listening to him through the word, allowing him to build you up and strengthen you. As you spend time every day, that, that's like eating your spiritual Wheaties. It fortifies you. It strengthens you. And then God can strengthen your heart and he can use you to encourage and strengthen others. Then you, you're a whole person that comes into the relationships that you have. Secondly, let God heal past wounds. How we, how we deal with the fear of betrayal is we, we let God heal the wounds from the past. God, God wants to do this. He wants to bring healing. Old, old wounds that are left open are uh, very uh, horrible in our relationships. I mean, open wounds, they, they make us disloyal to the people around us. Because what happens is we don't stick in relationships. This wound is always open and it's festering. And in fact, if you don't deal with old wounds, wounds uh, they, they metastasize. They spread through your, all your relationships and they really, really hurt. So you, you don't stick like Teflon. You, just, you, don't, you don't have any meaningful relationships because these old wounds are there. Let God heal those. He's the only one who can. Let him heal them. The way you do that is, first of all, humbly recognize your own need for forgiveness and let it go. Um, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So that's, that's a really important point there. We, 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 we admit that God had to forgive us. We had betrayed God ourselves. And he forgave us. So out of the strength of his forgiveness, we, we bless and forgive others. The word forgive means to send it away, to let it go. We, we forgive. We may not forget what's been done. But as it comes to mind, we send it away. We let it go. We don't rehearse it over and over and over again. We don't chase those thoughts so that we're dizzied by them. But we let it go. It's... It's dangerous to be proud and ignore our own selfish and selfishness and need for forgiveness from God. Because when you are, you tend to have selective amnesia and you, you forget your own, your own need 
for forgiveness from God. You conveniently forget your faults, your sin. And we need to remember that. Remember that God has forgiven us and we, we now can have the, the freedom to forgive others. In humility, try to understand why. Choose compassion. And that's something we have to choose. We have to put it on like clothes in the morning. That's what the scripture says. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Compassion means to look at the situation from the, the, the angle, the vantage point of the other person, to see it from their, their view. And we have to put that on. We have to try to understand. If you can't understand, which sometimes you can't, I don't understand, I don't understand how they could say that. I don't understand how they could do that. Well, you may not be able to understand, but you could be understanding. It requires humility. You have to clothe yourselves with it. You put, you put on compassion, kindness, and humility. Um, many times we refuse to admit that we could do the same thing purely out of pride. Just we're, we're being proud, and we, we will not admit that, you know what, I could do the same thing. Every, every human being on the face of the earth has the ability to hurt and to harm. It's something that's built into our hearts. Jesus comes in, and he helps us work that out of ourselves. But it remains until the day we die. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says that it's in there. And so if people don't do what we want, they don't give us what we think they de- we deserve, we won't. we're going to make them pay. <laughs> we're going to make them hurt. We have the ability to do it. So choose understanding out of humility. And finally, pull out the roots of resentment and bitterness. Hebrews 12.15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Don't don't let resentment settle in your heart. Don't let the seed of resentment be planted there because full bloom, it causes a tremendous amount of trouble in all of your relationships. Pull it out at the root. Ask God to help you do this. The way you pull it out at the root is you forgive. In humility, realizing that God's forgiven you, you forgive those around you. If you can't let it go on your own, talk to somebody about it. Let us know on that communication card. We'd, we'd love to help you work through some of the things that are sticking uh, with you, some of the areas, that the wounds that are open that, that need to be healed. Third, refuse to take revenge. That's an area that's left for God alone. And this isn't in your outline, but... Romans 12, 19 through 21 says, do not take revenge. Vengeance is God alone. We're to, to, to love even our enemies and let God handle the revenge. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, but he was also betrayed by all of humanity who owed him their worship. So he, he shows up on earth. He's God himself. He comes to serve. And rather than giving him the worship due him, he is nailed to a cross and dies a criminal's death. He was betrayed by all of humanity. He shows us in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter makes a comment about his life that gives us a tremendous amount of instruction for handling betrayal. 1 Peter 2, 23 through 24. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him 
who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus shows us how to deal with betrayal. You, you entrust yourself to God. Don't pay back. No revenge. You leave it to God to settle the score. That's what Joseph did. God was able to act in the life of Joseph as he waited on him to act, as he set his heart to be faithful to do what lied before him. Jesus did the same thing. He, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, died on the cross. Three days later, he was raised. And God used him to save all of humanity, those who will turn and commit themselves to follow him. Finally, the way you deal with the fear of betrayal is cast your fears on God. When, when you have that twinge of fear that you feel inside, turn to God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The context of this verse is uh, a command. It follows a command for the younger men to submit to the older men in church life. In other words, follow your leaders, submit to your leadership. Similar thoughts in 1 Peter 3 uh, when it talks about uh, the way that a, a, the wife of a non-Christian man can win her, her husband over. And... Uh, when you follow the leadership of someone, anyone, it makes you nervous. <laughs> I mean, that's scary. Because what if they don't take care of me? What if they don't even notice me? What if they have no concern whatsoever for my life? What do I do then? What if the boss that I'm under, he doesn't look out for me? What if my husband betrays me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if this goes on? How am I going to handle it? When you feel the twinge of fear, turn to God. Cast your fears on him. Cast all your anxiety on him. He cares for you. He wants to give you the strength of heart to be a whole person. He wants to help you work through the wounds of the past to allow you to come into the relationships today that will really help you be a blessing to the people around you. There's some next steps at the bottom of your outline that you could take. And they're also on your connection card. Let us know if God has leads you to take one of these steps. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd like to know that. First step you could take is to memorize 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I've, I've got that one memorized. And it really helps. When they, the fear wells up, the fear, the twinge, then, oh, God, here it is. I, I, I give it to you. We, would you come through here? I need your help. Uh, secondly... Maybe, maybe you need to pour out your heart to God rather than everybody around you. Um, there's an emptiness when we look to people around us to fortify us when we need to go to God. And when you go to God, what happens is many times he brings the right people around to encourage you. But you're not depending on them. You're depending on God and allowing him to bring the encouragement from the people around you. So maybe that's your next step. Or I, I want to... Uh, let God heal my wounds. That could be another step you could take. Maybe there's some open wounds. They're, they've metastasized. They've spread through your mind and your heart and your body. And, and you want to ask God to bring healing. Or uh, I'm going to refuse to take revenge. It's another step you could take. Or I need to cast my fears on the Lord. Boy, I just seem to 
let my thoughts spin me around and around and around and around. I get dizzy, fall on a heap, and don't deal with them. I'm gonna, instead of doing that now, I'm going to cast my anxiety on the living God who loves me for who I am. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that really does set us free. Thank you for being so loving and kind and concerned about our anxiety and fears and wanting to set us free from the slavery to the fear of death. You want to set us free from this fear of betrayal that we struggle with. God, I I ask that you'd help us to take the steps, God, that you want us to take after hearing your, your truth. Help us this week, even today, to take the steps that will bring honor to you and glory to you and that will set us free from uh, the fears that bind us. Lord, we praise you for your salvation, for the way that you have set us free from the ultimate fear. Because we can have eternal life in you. We thank you for what you've given us, and we thank you for the way that you've worked. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.